welcome to podcast from the unknown unknown (laughs) (laughs) back for another exciting episode today yes um thank you guys for whoever listened to last week's episode don't remember what oh Oh. yeah yeah uh folklore folklore really Mm -hmm. appreciate you guys listening to the episode and letting us know what you think yes um so I actually did watch the Skinwalker Canyon episode of uh, Ghost Adventures. Such a good episode. Yeah, it's it really, really is. It's really funny because they get like drugged or whatever. <laughs> and it's, yeah, they're like out of it for like hours. Yeah. Because they were like, they got protected or whatever it was um, by the, the Navajo people mm-hmm. before they went into the canyon alone. And it really fucked them up. It really tripped them up. Yeah. So that that's a classic episode. Okay. So anyway, um, we did tell you last week that we were going to do old women that kill old lady murderers. Mine is like, I feel like well known ish. Um, of course, Ghost Adventures did do an episode on her. Yeah. Which is how I had originally heard about her. But um, I have no idea what yours is. You just kind of picked yours on a whim. I did. So mine is not... She didn't start out as an old lady killer. Gotcha. But she ended as an old lady killer. Right. Okay. Right. Okay. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand. So, like, she started off young. Yeah. By the time she was done, she was old. Okay. That's usually how that works. Yeah. All right. Okay. <laughs> um, so is there anything you want to talk about before we get into it? Or um, do, should we just go ahead and Let's just go ahead start? because I really am excited about yours. Okay. Unless, is there something that you want to talk about? I don't think so. There's not really much updates to give you guys. We haven't really done, I mean, we did a lot of spring cleaning. To, we had a very productive weekend. It's been very busy. Um, we did a lot of like spring cleaning and getting our outside ready for like warmer weather. Mm-hmm. And we bought stuff to make s'mores because we have a lot of like uh sticks and stuff that we picked up that fell over the winter that need burned and we're gonna have some delicious s'mores that's what we're having for dinner surprise there's there's like one thing that you guys don't know about all of podcasts from the unknown not just me and jules but like logan krista adam and Allie. we all fucking love s'mores yeah and last (laughs) summer like last summer we ate so many oh my god we had so many fires like i just want to know like how many s'mores all like seven of us six of us wait seven oh my god math six six Just how many s'mores the six of us collectively ate. Well, seven because Krista had her man here. True. Yeah. Alec came and... um, He eats s'mores too. Yeah. We all... We were really going through the s'mores. But by the time he would get here, we would have them like gone. He only had like one. Yeah. And we... Jules and I have this like really cute little... It kind of looks like a fisherman's like tackle box. Mm -hmm. um, But it's like Hershey's and it has like... A graham cracker compartment, a marshmallow compartment, a chocolate bar compartment. Yeah. And it's like perfect because we can just put put all the ingredients in there and then take it out to the fire with our little sticks. And it's really great. I love, love having fires in yeah. the fall, spring, fall, and yeah. summer. Spring. Same. Yeah. God, what fucking order do seasons go in? Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, my um, God. So, yeah we, uh, yeah, we got everything cleaned up so we can start having fires and... Um, doing warmer weather activities which yes. i'm so beyond fucking ready for oh my god same um, i'm not ready to cut the grass again my eyes have been itchy yeah. for days yeah we cut our grass for the first time since the fall and um it was so tall it was and like blake our dog blake would go out and he's like a little maltese poodle so he's just like essentially a little fluff ball and he would go out to use the bathroom and would disappear in the yeah. grass because it was so fucking tall. <laughs> Poor baby. So yeah, we got that cut, which was annoying because we, well, I have the worst fucking allergies no matter what the season. Mm-hmm. And you all, all of a sudden. This week. Are presenting allergy symptoms. So. I mean, my eyes are so great. itchy. It's driving me insane. We're really in for it this summer. I can't wait. Um, but yeah, that's about all that we've yeah. been up to since the last time we're we gonna, talked to you guys. We're going to eat some s'mores after this and, yeah. uh, yeah, have a good Monday night. 
Yeah. Oh my God. It is Monday. This is the most Sunday feeling Monday ever. Wait, it is Monday, right? I think it is Monday. Yeah. Yeah. It's Monday. Um, okay. So let's go ahead and get into it. Yeah. You can go first. I went first last time. Okay. All right. So I did Dorothea Puente. Is it Dorothy? No, it's Dorothea. Dorothea Puente. Oh, Puente? No, not a Puente. <laughs> Puente. <laughs> So, Dorothea Puente was born on January 9th, 1929 in San Bernardino County, California. Both of her parents were said to be abusive towards Dorothea, um, and they both ended up passing away by the time she was six years old. Her dad passed away when she was four. Her mom passed away when she was six. So, Dorothea was sent to live in an orphanage for a while until relatives from Fresno, California, ended up taking her in. She would later lie about her upbringing, though, claiming to be one of 18 kids born and raised in Mexico. Wait, this is completely unrelated. Fresno, like, is that where Fresno Nightcrawlers are from? Yes. Okay. Um, she got married in 1946, but her husband died of a heart, heart attack two years later. This was her first marriage, first of many. Okay. Um, for money, Dorothea would forge checks and ended up get. I know, like that's <laughs> how dare she? That's terrible. Like hate of that. Um, but she was caught and sentenced to a year in jail, and then um, got out on parole after only serving six months. <laughs> soon after her release from jail, she met another man, and very soon into the relationship, like very very soon, she barely knew him. She ended up getting pregnant. And had a daughter whom she gave up for adoption. She got married again in 1952 to a man named Axel Johansson. And they ended up having a very violent 14-year marriage. Didn't say whether he was violent towards her or she was violent towards him. <laughs> well, Or sure. they were violent towards one another. Uh, just that it was a violent marriage. Okay. So she was arrested again in 1960 for owning and operating a brothel. And did a 90-day stay in jail. Not long after her release, she was arrested again for vagrancy and was sentenced to 90 more days in jail. What is vagrancy? Like, she was homeless. Oh, okay, okay. She was found, um, or after this, she ended up, she eventually found real work as a nurse's aide where she cared for the elderly and disabled in the privacy of their homes. Wait, you get a, never mind. I'm assuming she was sleeping on public property or something that's like that. That's fucked up. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we're not going okay. to gonna get into that because that shit like really, really makes my blood boil. I just How thought about it. How homeless people yeah. are treated and the lengths that some cities will go to to like keep them from sleeping certain places. Like yes. I can just. Okay. Yeah. We I won't, can go we on won't for talk days about it on here, but we'll talk really about pissed. it. But yeah. anyway. So yeah, she became a nurse's aide where she cared for elderly and disabled people people in the privacy of their homes so she okay. wasn't in a hospital she was going from different people's homes and um like was like a not like a live-in nurse but she was coming in taking care of them and then leaving um she divorced johansson in 1966 and then soon after that she married roberto puente in mexico city he was 19 years younger than her and reportedly had issues staying faithful to her, which led them to get a divorce after only two years of marriage. So he's a little hoe, basically. <laughs> so shortly before their diver divorce, though, Dorothea took over a three-story, 16-bedroom care home in Sacramento, California, which is where the real story begins. Is this the, the house that was on Ghost Adventures? Yeah. It's that big? And you can still go to it. Yeah, it's big. I guess I didn't realize from the um, episode that the house was that that big, that there were 16 bedrooms. Yeah. That's insane. Okay, sorry. That's go what ahead. this says. Um, it says the first sign of something being wrong um, or some s sketchy business going on was when neighbors noticed the odd activities of a homeless alcoholic man known only as Chief, whom Puente stated that she had adopted and made her handyman. Puente had Chief dig the basement and cart soil and rubbish away into wheelbarrow. The basement floor was then covered with a concrete slab. Chief later took down a garage in the backyard and installed a fresh concrete slab there as well. Soon after this, Chief mysteriously disappeared. Mm -hmm. 
Puente married for a third time in 1976 to Pedro Montalvo, who was also also physically abusive towards her, and he was an alcoholic. The marriage only lasted a few months, and Puente started to spend time in local bars looking for older men who were receiving benefits, like pension benefits Mm -hmm. and uh, like retirement, that type of situation. She would forge their signatures to steal their money and eventually got caught and was charged with 34 counts of treasury fraud. And while on probation, she continued to commit the same fraud. So she got in trouble for it, was on probation, and continued to still do it. Oh, my God. God, She has no fucking shame, man. (laughs) She really doesn't. And going through this, I was like, I just was picturing somebody's fucking crazy-ass grandma. Right? Doing some just fucking sketchy shit. See, I heard you, like, be like, oh, my God, when you were, like, typing your notes. Like I said in the beginning, I only found out about her via Ghost Adventures, and all they really hit on in that episode is, like, what what inevitably ends up happening towards the end yeah of her life um and not really her earlier life and how many times she had been arrested and what all she had been arrested for and that she had been married so many times and yeah well i'm gonna be really honest when you google old women murders she's like on every every one of them yeah yeah i think she's probably like the most notorious yes old lady murderer yes okay so according to california court of appeals records in 1981 puente began renting an upstairs apartment at 1426 f street in downtown sacramento the nine murders with which she was charged in 1990 she was convicted in 1993 of three of them um, were associated with this, this upstairs apartment and not her previous 16 room, 16 room boarding house. So I was wrong. So she, the 16 room boarding house is not where ghost adventures went and it's not where you can still go. It's okay. this p- apartment place. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That they're talking about, which is in uh, Sacramento, California. In April, 1982, 61 year old Ruth Monroe began living with Puente in her upstairs apartment, but soon died from an overdose of codeine and Tylenol. Puente told police that the woman was very depressed because her husband was terminally ill. They believed her and judged the incident a suicide. Only a few weeks later, weeks later, the police were back after a 74-year-old named Malcolm McKenzie accused Puente of drugging him and then robbing him of his pension. She was convicted of three charges of theft on August 18th, 1982, and was sentenced to serve five years in jail. While in jail, she started to correspond with a 77-year-old retiree living in Oregon named Everson Gilmouth. A pen pal friendship developed, and when Puente was released in 1985 after serving just three years of her six or five year sentence, um, he was waiting for her in a red 1980 Ford pickup truck. Their relationship developed quickly, and the couple was soon making wedding plans. This bitch cannot wait to get married. Uh, wait till you. Ours are very similar. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Okay. So, um, they opened a joint bank account together and paid six hundred dollars a month uh, for their upstairs apart the upstairs apartment mm-hmm. in Sacramento. In November of nineteen eighty five, Puente hired Ismael Flores to install some wood paneling in her apartment. She paid him for his labor and an additional eight hundred dollars. She also gave him a red 1980 Ford pickup truck. Oh, my God. Which she stated belonged to her boyfriend who lived in Los Angeles and that he no longer needed it. Dorothea then asked Flores to do one more thing. Build a box six feet by three feet by two feet so she could store books and other items. She then asked Flores to transport the filled and nailed shut box to a storage depot. Flores agreed, and Puente joined him. On the way there, however, she told him to stop while they were on Garden Highway in Sutter County and dumped the box on the riverbank in an unofficial household dumping site. Puzzled, Flores asked her why. She told him that the contents of the box were just junk. 
on January 1st. Then why not say that to begin with? Like, right. hey, let's go to this place and dump this box off. Right. So this was in November. That, that this they didn't took raise they, like a red flag to this dude? I mean, I'm sure it did, but she's also an old lady. And who can you trust I guess more that's true. than someone that looks like you're fucking grandma? Never old ladies anymore. Apparently Tell you not. that right now. The only old lady that I trust is Spongebob's grandma that gets him all the cookies. <laughs> not who I thought you were going to say. <laughs> so, okay. So that was in November that they dumped this box. Okay. On January 1st, 1986... A fisherman spotted the box sitting about three feet from the bank of the river and informed police. Investigators found a badly decomposed and unidentified body of an elderly man inside. <gasps> what? Powente, meanwhile, continued to collect Everson Gilmouth's pension and wrote letters to his family explaining that the reason he had not contacted them was because he was ill. She also maintained a room and board business, taking in 40 new tenants, most of whom were alcoholics and drug addicts. Although she was making a good profit doing this, she wanted more and therefore started to cruise bars looking for new customers. Every month, Puente collected all the tenants' mail before they saw it, gave them only a small amount of their money. Invariably, the tenants squandered what little money they had at the nearest bars and were picked up by police and jailed for 30 days following anonymous tips. Okay, oh, her. my God. Puente then pocketed the rest of their money. On November, and this is money that they would get from, like, um, like unemployment or um, just, like, government money, basically, yeah. for various reasons, whether, you know, they were, like, old, like, they were elderly, so they would be getting, like, stuff from their, maybe, like, their retirement funds. Yeah. And that's what, that's the money. That so she, she would, taking. like, um look through their mail to look for like checks and shit yeah and she would forge their signatures go and take and cash the checks and give them a little bit of the money and then keep the rest for what? herself oh then God. when they would end up in jail she would take the rest of the money <laughs> yeah um which they were they were picked up by police and jailed for 30 days following anonymous tips wonder who the anonymous tip was from gee so on november 11th 1988 police inquired after the disappearance of tenant Alvaro Montoya, a developmentally disabled schizophrenic whose social worker had reported him missing. He was a, so he was a tenant of hers. Mm -hmm. After noticing disturbed soil on the property, they uncovered the body of another tenant, Leona Carpenter, age 78. So while they were looking for Alvaro, they found Leona instead. What happened to the poor guy in the box? Did they ever like... They, they never figured out who it was, I guess. Oh my God. Because he, oh, so he was so badly decomposed. He was so badly decomposed, yeah. So seven bodies um, were eventually found on her property. And Puente was charged with a total of nine murders. But she was only convicted of three and was sentenced to two life sentences. Uh, during the initial investigation, Puente was not immediately a suspect and was allowed to leave the property to, quote, buy a cup of coffee at a nearby hotel. Oh, lucky her. So instead, after she bought the coffee, she took off and headed to L.A., where she befriended <laughs> an elderly pensioner, so he was collecting pension, which, the God, that's her favorite target, right. that she met in a bar. Of course. The pensioner, however, recognized her from police reports on TV and called the authorities. Good on him. Yeah. Her trial was moved to Monterey County, California, on a change of venue motion filed by her attorneys. The trial began in October 1992 and ended a year later. John O'Mara, or O'Mara, I think it's O'Mara, was the prosecutor, and he called over 130 witnesses to the stand and argued to the jury that Dorothea had used sleeping pills to put her tenants to sleep she would then suffocate them and hire convicts to dig the holes and bury them in her backyard. The jury deliberated over a month and found Puente guilty of three murders. How How just three? They, they couldn't agree on anything, I guess. There um, are bodies buried on her property. How do you not agree to that? I don't know. Because she isn't a little old lady. Oh so my people God. see her and they want to believe that she couldn't be, like, you know, that... The, the, it couldn't be her doing this. All right. Well. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Who else? Who all Your your neighbors? Is that who it would be? Come on now. Yeah. Let's use our brains. Um, so they could not. Yeah. They couldn't agree on the other murders. The penalty phase of the prosecution was highlighted by her previous convictions. 
which Omara, the prosecutor, introduced to the jury and was like, this bitch has been to jail like a million times. <laughs> um, the defense called several witness witnesses to the stand that showed Puente had a generous and caring side to her and several other witnesses, including her long-lost daughter. They testified how Puente had helped them in their youth and guided them to successful careers. Mental health experts testified of Puente's abusive upbringing and how it motivated her to help the less fortunate. At the same time, though, they agreed that she did have an evil side to her, brought on by the stress of caring for her down-and-out tenants. Omara's closing argument focused on Puente's acts of murder. Does anyone become responsible for their conduct in this world? These people were human beings. They had a right to live. They did not have a lot of possessions, no houses, no cars, only their social security checks and their lives. She took it all. Death is the only appropriate penalty. After several days of deliberations, under the law, Puente received life without the possibility of parole. And she was incarcerated at Central California Women's Facility in Chowchilla, Madera County, California. For the rest of her life, she maintained her innocence and insisted that all her tenants had died of natural causes. In 1998, Dorothea began corresponding with Shane Bugby, who did an extensive interview with her over the course of several years. She began sending him various recipes, and in 2014, the book Cooking with a Serial Killer was released. It included a lengthy interview, almost 50 recipes, and various pieces of prison art that were made by Dorothea. Can you buy this book still? I'm sure you can. I want to look it up. Yeah, Amazon probably. Puente died in prison at Chowchilla on March 27, 2011 from natural causes. She was 82 years old. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah, and the Ghost Adventures episode is chilling because somebody currently lives in that house slash apartment, whatever you want to call it, and she talks about how she 1,000% believes that Dorothea's spirit is still in that house. I believe and that. And that there are spirits of people that she, Dorothea murdered mm-hmm. still living in that house. And um, she talks about how like when she sleeps, she'll wake up and see Dorothea staring at her and she said, and this is what got me and what always gives me the chills thinking about it. She said she's smiling, but the smile doesn't reach her eyes. I'm sorry, but like, I don't care if you're an old lady or a yeah. child. If there is bodies buried on your property, yeah, I'm going to think that you're a killer. It doesn't matter. Well, and I, I 1000% still believe that there are, there are still bodies there that they haven't found. You know what I, mean, I was she thinking? She had 40 tenants. I think that's what, is, what I said, right? 40. Yeah. Um, yeah, 40 tenants. So, so there's no doubt in my mind that there are other bodies still on that property somewhere. I even would go as far to say, I feel like there's bodies buried on the other property as well, where she had the pieces of concrete put in. 100% there's bodies under that. Like, dig up that concrete. Right. Because you know there's some shit underneath. Yeah, it's it's insane. It's so crazy to me that the jury was so, like in disagreement that she only ended up getting getting convicted for three of them there were only nine altogether that they could that they even were able to present in the first place and i just know there's more a hundred percent there's more but the ghost adventures episode is really good and it gives a little bit more insight into like um you know them finding the bodies and they're able, they are actually able to like communicate, I think, with either Dorothea or one of her victims. But think, it's, yeah, it's a really good episode. It's very good and definitely, definitely worth checking out. Yeah, she is, she's creepy, creepy looking. Mm-hmm. And I will, um, I have a good picture, I think it's her mugshot. Oh, um, hell yeah, <laughs> for, for social media, so you guys will get to see just how fucking creepy she is. And, you know, she's, like, typical grandma, like, big fucking thick glasses, glasses and white Curly. fluffy cloud <laughs> of hair on top of her head mm. and just very, um, very typical, scary-looking grandma. So, yeah, that's Dorothea Puente. Well, good job. Oh, thank you. Well, thank you very much. She's very, uh, 
fucked up. I'm gonna go back and listen to this episode where I just said thank you, and I'm gonna regret it's my like life decisions. <laughs> <laughs> I hate listening. Just to let you guys know, we fucking hate listening to our episodes because yeah. I, I hate my voice. Everybody hates their voice on recording, but like we have to listen to them to make sure that the sound quality is good and that we didn't make complete fucking idiots of ourselves which and, we um, usually do <laughs> yeah exactly and um yeah it's i like to sometimes i really just like to go back and just make fun of myself like oh, there yeah. was one, there was one time where remember that <laughs> that day i forget what episode it was but we Joel's and i listened to it on our way we were going somewhere i don't remember we, we had a little bit of a drive and we listened to it and just laughed and made fun of ourselves the entire time. And then eventually turned it off because we couldn't listen we to like, ourselves oh anymore. God, I can't. I cannot stand myself. So yeah. Yeah. All right. Are you ready? I am ready. All right. Let's let's get into it because I don't even know who you chose. So I'm super interested. I chose Nanny Doss. Nanny. Nanny Doss. Um, her name when she was born was Nancy Hazel, aka um, the Giggling Granny or the Lonely Hearts Killer. Have you heard of the Lonely Hearts Killer? Maybe. Mm-hmm. Kind of sounds familiar. Yeah. Um, Giggling Granny I've never heard of though. But yeah. Nanny Doss. So... Um, Nanny was said to have murdered 11 people in her family, and the crimes span over the time of August 30th, 1927 to October 12th, 1954. Okay, so a long, long time ago. Long time. Um, so I literally wrote in here, so she didn't start out as an old lady murderer, but she worked her way up to it. <laughs> she aged her way up to it. Um, Nanny was born on November 4th, 1905 in Blue Mountain, Alabama. She was one of five children, and her parents were James and Louisa Hazel. Her and her mother actually hated James and claimed that he was controlling. Um, he would force the kids to work on the family farm rather than attend school, which ultimately resulted in Nanny having a poor academic performance. Gee, I wonder why. Right. No, um, no school and she's not good at what? academics? I say what? <laughs> Something don't add up Something there. Something don't add up. Um, <laughs> oh, really fast. I got my information from criminalminds.fandom.com. Um, that's where I got everything from. I'm just going to quote it. Yeah, no worries. Also, Giggling Granny. Giggling Granny. Great name. Great name. And that was when you said that. Something clicked in my head and I was like, I sat there for a second and I was like, hold on, I feel like I've heard this. Mm Mm-hmm. And maybe I've listened to another podcast on it or something. She's but creepy. The name sounded familiar. She does a lot of fucked up shit. That's a creepy ass name. Yeah. Like whoever, whoever like gave her that name, kudos because that's right? creepy as hell. Snaps for you. Snaps. Okay. Um, she suffered a head head injury when she was seven years old, which resulted in her having headaches, blackouts, and depression for years. She would often read her mother's romance magazines and would dream of the day that she could have a romantic relationship of her own. Side Little note, did she know she was about to have a lot. Right. Side note. You know who also suffered a head injury when they were growing <gasps> up? Dorothea Puente. Richard Ramirez. Oh, the yeah. He sure did, didn't he? <laughs> he did, yeah. Um, the Lonely Hearts column of the magazine became her favorite. Aww. Hence, the Lonely Hearts killer. We'll get so, there. so the column is basically what I'm. Are you going to get into oh. what it is? <laughs> no, I forgot to do that. So what I'm envisioning, Lonely Hearts, it's like a singles column, yes. basically. Yeah. People like pitching them. It's like uh, it's Tinder like, before Tinder was correct. A thing. Okay. So and yes, I guess I shouldn't say no. I don't get into it. I do, but okay. yes, that's what it is. Okay. Um. So her father ruined any part of her fantasy, um, by making sure the girls in the family were never wearing makeup attractive clothing and made it so they were never allowed to attend dances or other social events because quote he didn't want them to be molested by random men so first of all let's just side note talk about how disgusting fathers are with their daughters right disgustingly like controlling to that Mm -hmm. point and are like almost like inappropriate like like yeah i'm the only man in her life type energy and it's like that's your fucking daughter right disgusting right but it's okay if their son goes and fucking throws their dick all around town right but their daughter not that kitty girl my son (laughs) can be one of those men that i don't want my daughter to be in contact (laughs) with but you know like right disgusting anyway go ahead so fuck this dad right 
Um, however, unfortunately, according to the article, it said that her and her sisters were molested on several different occasions, despite their father's despite attempts. Despite all of his best efforts. Right. Um, when Nanny was a teenager, she, teenager, <clears throat> just in case you guys didn't hear me, I said she's teenager. A, she's aging. Um, she married her first husband, Charlie Braggs, who was a co-worker at a linen factory that she worked at. They had only dated for four months before she got married and her dad was okay with this. Um, yeah. Suddenly he's like, cool with this kind of shit? Um, Charlie was an only child and his mother demanded that they continued to live together and so they did. Oh, wait, wait. You say teenager. Are we talking like low end of the teenage spectrum? Like 13? Or are we talking 19? I mean, 18, 19. She had a job. She worked at a linen factory. So 18, 19. Do you think back then they cared if you were 18? I think they give a shit now. (laughs) Now you could get a job at the local grocery store when you're fucking 15. 14, 15. They don't give a shit. Um... So, shortly after they got married, they had four children, Gertrude in 1922, Zelmer in 1923, Florine, Florine, Florida? Florida. Florine, 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 Florine. The stuff they put in the water? No, not fluoride. (laughs) Just kidding. Florine, Florine. Florine, Florine. Florin. Flow. Just call her Flow. Can I call you Flow? Call you Flow. F L O R I N E. Florine. <laughs> these are these are like uh, names of the times. That you got Gertie. Oh my God, Gertrude. You got, you got Gertie, and then what? Someone named Gertrude is currently listening to this. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Gertie, sweetie. No, Listen, Gertie. that's not what we meant. And then you have oh Zelmo or whatever you said. Not Zelmo. What's his name? <laughs> Wait, what's his name? Zelmer. Oh, Zelmer. Zel- I, I thought, thought Zelmer was kind of cool. I thought it was Zelmo. Not Zelmo. It's not like an evil Elmo. Okay. All right. But if there was an evil Elmo, Be you, Zelmo. Heard, you heard it here first. His name is Zelmo. And then you have fluoride. Fluoride. Fluorine. 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 <laughs> and Melvina. Melvina. Okay, wait. Fluorine was 1924. Melvina was 1926. I mean, okay. she was popping them out every year. So they're year. all every, like, one, two years apart. Yes. Okay. Um, Nanny then became extremely stressed out and started drinking more and more, and her and Charlie started cheating on one another. It's like almost you can see the correlation between her drinking problem and, and having, having four children. children all within a year apart. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but I don't... They can't be related, right? No. The drinking and the children. <laughs> and your husband cheating on you? No. Mm, no. No. On August 30th, 1927, Zelmer died of food poisoning. No. On September 25th, the same thing happened to Gertrude. Not Gertie. Gertie died of food poisoning. Oh, May she rest in peace. That's real. That's actually very sad. Yeah, they were kids. They were just they were just babies. They were just babies. They were literally Zelmer was 5? No, Zelmer was 4 and Gertrude was 5. That's heartbreaking. Yeah. Oh. Um, not long after the two children passed away, Charlie took Malvina and left Nanny and Florine and their, and his mother behind. They all live together still. Wait, so he took the last kid. Yeah, and fucking booked and it. And was like, what, why not take both kids? I don't know. He claimed that he was afraid. Of her? Yeah. Of the child? No, of, of Nanny. But like, to leave Florine in that situation. I don't know. Maybe he didn't like her. That makes no sense. Um, when Charlie's mother passed away, Nanny got a job at a cotton mill, and Charlie eventually brought Malvina back in 1928, but he was accompanied by another woman along with her child from a previous marriage, and soon after, Nanny and Charlie got divorced. Nanny then took Malvina and Florine to her mother's house. So she was like, I'm taking both of them now. Fuck you. Okay, good. Well. <laughs> I mean. Is it? Uh, well. If they, well, no, I don't know. I I just feel bad that they're separate. They were separated. Right? Um, in 1929, Nanny married her second husband, Frank Harrison, and the two lived in Jacksonville with Florine. (laughs) I wish we never would have put so much attention on Florine's name. (laughs) And Malvina. A few months into their marriage, Nanny found out that Frank had a history of assault and was an alcoholic, but their marriage ended up lasting for 16 years. She's like, I can look past it. She's like, yeah, fine, it's fine. She's like, you know, I've dabbled in the alcohol myself. Right. So. It's fine. Yeah. The assault? No. Yeah. No, it's fine. Yeah. 
I can look past it. Um, in 1943, Melvina gave birth to Robert Lee Haynes and then gave birth to a daughter in 1945 who sadly passed away very shortly after. So now the babies are having babies. Yes. Okay. Melvina claimed that the reason why the baby passed away was because Nanny stuck a hat pin into the baby's head. <gasps> no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Um, Nanny and Melvina got into multiple arguments because Melvina started to stray away from her current husband and started dating a soldier, and Nanny did not approve of this relationship. On July 7th, 1945, while Melvina Melvina was visiting Charlie, her dad, Mm -hmm. Robert passed away while under her watch. Wait, the other kid now? She killed, she now killed her other grandchildren? She's killed both of her grandchildren. Damn. Um, His death was ruled as asphyxiation due to unknown causes, but two months later, Nanny collected a pretty $500 life insurance policy that she took out on him. Damn. On September 5th, 1945, Harrison came home drunk from celebrating the end of World War II and raped Nanny. The next day, she just... Oh, this is a direct quote. Whoopsie. Direct quote. Okay. Um, The next day, she decided that she was finally fed up with him, so she laced his whiskey with rat poison, and he died painfully that evening. End quote. Wow. Yeah. So her, like, method of killing so far is poison. And family. And family. Keep it in the family. She's... Yeah. No, that's... All her murders are family murders. Yeah. This is insane. Wow. Um... (laughs) <laughs> that doesn't stop her, though. No. Because then Nanny then used the Lonely Hearts column to find her third husband, Ar- Arlie Lanning. And they were married three days later. It was true love. Three days later. It was true love, Jules. You can't. There's no way. You can't. There's you no, can't no, no, fight no, there's love. no fucking way. No fucking way. I love you. I wouldn't have been with you three days later. You gotta get to know someone first. Well, yeah. But she saves that for later when she finds out about, like, assault and alcoholism. She's like, I'd rather find that out when he's already my husband. Yeah. So, which, come to find out, he was an alcoholic and a womanizer. But Nanny would often be the one that would leave him for months on end before returning home. Where was she going for months? She was actually frequently visiting one of her sisters that was bedridden, Dovey Weaver. Which Dovey Weaver sounds very familiar. I don't know, but the names are just fantastic. Yes. On June 30th, 1950, Dovey mysteriously passed away. Keep in mind, she's bedridden. Mysteriously. Mm. Um, on September 7th, 1950, Nanny poisoned her husband's mother and made it look like she had passed away in her sleep. Then Arlene, Arlie Lanning passed away on February 16th, 1952, and his death was ruled as heart failure, but sometime after his passing, Nanny burned down their house and collected the sh- insurance money on it. Damn. So you know that shit was not accidental. Not at all. Well, and it's back before technology can really, you know, they could do like toxicology and stuff. Like, yeah. I'm sure they had some form of it, but not nearly as advanced as no. it would be now. Well, you're, we're, we're getting... To the point where, like, it's starting to be, like, more... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can figure it out more. Um, Nanny then joined a dating service called the Diamond Circle Club, where she met her fourth husband, Richard L. Morton. They married the same year that they met. It's important to note that he was not an alcoholic, but the article did say that he was a womanizer. On January 3rd, 1953, Nanny murdered her own mom before poisoning Morton on May 19th. A month after Morton's murder, Nanny married her fifth and final husband, Samuel Dra- Samuel Doss. So her and Dorothea loved to get married. Oh my God, yes. They it was were their like, favorite fucking thing. Hello, let's go to the chapel. Yes. Hi, nice to meet you. I am a murderous grandma. Yes. Where is the nearest chapel? I want to make sure it's his last name was Doss and not Dross. Because I wrote Dross, but I could have had fallout on the brain. Dross Toss. The Dross Toss. No, it was Doss. Um, Back to give it another go. <laughs> <laughs> he was a Christian and disapproved of the romance novels that Nanny liked. However, the article did say that he actually really did like her, which is what's sad because he has a um, bad end coming for him. Um, oh. On September of 1954, Samuel was admitted into the hospital for flu-like symptoms, but he was diagnosed with a severe digestive tract infection. On October 5th, he was released from the hospital, but died only a few days later. His doctor thought that this was extremely suspicious, so he ordered an autopsy. 
During this autopsy, the doctors found that he had enough arsenic in his system to kill a horse. Holy shit. Nate, Wait, are you saying autopsy? I said autopsy. I swear you said autopsy. I didn't say autopsy. I, I said like, autopsy. I like, poor girl. Oh. I said autopsy. Okay. I believe you. You don't. I believe you. I can you. see it in your eyebrows. No, I believe you. <laughs> um wow. Manny, arsenic obvious. okay so yeah. she loves poison oh let's, my god yeah let's just let's She's, that's her favorite that's her method um she was immediately arrested obviously mm-hmm. um once arrested she confessed that she had killed him but only because she was in a rush to collect the two life insurance policies that she had taken out on him um she also confessed to all the other people she murdered which were quote four husbands two children two grandkids her sister her mom her mother and her mother-in-law Damn. end quote on may 17 1955 she pled guilty and was sentenced to life in prison however because of her gender she was spared the death penalty okay she claimed that her crimes were actually motivated by love and not money, which is fucking bizarre to me because it sounds like all you cared about was taking out life insurance policies and wow. insurance, anything like that. Keeping it in the fucking family, too. Oh That's God, so yeah. crazy. Um, on June 2nd, 1965, Nanny died of leukemia. All right. Yep. Wow. That's... Uh. That's insane. Right? So wait, wait, wait. Why giggling granny? I don't know. What did she giggle about? I never when saw. Did she giggle? I'm assuming she probably thought what she was doing was funny. She's fucked up, man. Yeah, she's fucking. Her picture is like kind of creepy looking. Yeah. I, I imagine them to be a little creepy yeah, looking. Like, I mean, Old people are fucking creepy as hell. How are you going to start out as a killer when you're younger and then just like take it with you as you go? I mean, I guess if you never get caught... You never go to jail. It gives you more opportunity to and kill. And she's getting money from it. She's yeah. collecting, like, mad stacks of cash. Jules and I are sipping on some IBC root beer. IBC, <laughs> sponsor us. IBC and root beer. I never have soda. But this one's You're made with... You're going to be bouncing off the walls. <laughs> this is made with cane sugar. So... I drink a lot of Diet um, Coke, and you can definitely taste... Oh, Jesus. It's got 40 grams of sugar in sugar. it. Oh, my God. I'm going to crash. <laughs> we get some uh, it's more deli- in your belly to soak up the sugar <laughs> yeah it's delicious though like i said ibc if you would like to sponsor podcast from the unknown um, oh email God, us yeah. at podcast from the unknown at gmail.com <laughs> <laughs> we would love to hear from you okay so anything more that you'd like to add about the giggling granny uh no she's uh God, fucking poison, man. I mean, 11 rest, people. Rest in peace to her four husbands, her mom, I her guess. mother-in-law, her sister, <laughs> her, two, her grandkids. two grandkids, and her two other children. Yes. Rest in peace. I guess she didn't poison all of them. She did suffocate one and uh, stab another That's one in the true. face. That's true. Yeah, so. asphyxiation and stabbing with a hairpin. What's a hairpin, by the way? I think it's like a bobby pin. That's what I'm oh imagining, right? I imagine right? something, po- a hat pin. Did I say hairpin? Hat pin. Maybe you said hat pin. Hat I, pin. I said hairpin, maybe. So okay. I'm assuming it's like a point. It looks like, a, yeah. you know, you're like um, enamel pins. Yeah. I'm assuming that's what the back of them look like. I'm going to Google it. That's really fucked. So an infant. So maybe she what? did it in like the infant's like soft spot or something. Mm-hmm. Where their skull's not yet fused together. Oh, look. Hold it's on. so messed what up. What does a hat pin look like? How is a hat pin used? A hat pin is a decorative and functional pin for holding a hat to the head, usually by hair. Oh, so it's like a hair, it's like it goes in the hat, but through oh, your hair so it doesn't maybe blow shit, off. Holy shit, no, they're fucking pointy as hell. Oh my God, they look like big ass needles. Oh, that is sharp. Yeah, you could definitely kill somebody with that. You could kill a baby with that. That's horrible. Absolutely, that's fucked up. That's so bad. I don't like that. Well, rest in peace to all of the people that... Both of our old lady killers yeah. killed before it was their time. How are you going to kill a child? I don't I never understand how, how people kill, can kill. First of all, how are you going to kill yes, anybody? Anybody. But, but then there's also like the like really, really, how are you going to, like how are you going to kill like a literal baby? Right. I never. Like an infant. I have a hard time with like adult murders and shit like as it is. But yeah. like if it's a kid, especially or, like an infant or anything like that it's way harder for me way harder absolutely i i would agree with that um fucked up man really fucked up Mm -hmm. old bitches that kill 
Let's not do another murder topic next week. <laughs> I mean, we can, but let's not do it on old creepy women. Yeah, let's see what we got. So we're going to, Jules just hopped up to grab the popsicle sticks that we forgot to get out before. I will never, ever in the history of podcasts from the unknown, remember to get these out before an episode Which, starts. Which, when you guys, when we start to have YouTube videos available, you can see how chaotic things really are. are behind the microphone. <laughs> and then I won't have to say, oh, Jules just got up, because you're going to be able to see it. Are you ready? Yes, are you ready? let's do are you it. Ready? No, it's what? Ghosts. It's murders again? No, it's ghosts. Okay. How are we going to do that? Do we mean? just do that? No, we did. No, we did aliens. We did folklore. We did. We didn't even cryptids. pick a popsicle stick for this. We did cryptos before that. So yeah, let's do ghosts. So I'm thinking we pick locations that are haunted. Yes. And go from there. Yes, I'm down for that. Rather than like, it's just hard to pinpoint and specifically like be like the lady in white or you know because there's like a million ladies in white or, and shit like that i mean i guess the way you could do is we could just get on here and we could tell ghost stories true but i would rather pick a location that's fine myself i you, if you would like to tell ghost stories that could be really really cool i think maybe we'll save the ghost stories for when everyone can be together and we can yeah. have a lot more people and it'll yes. be like yeah which yeah. i get my second dose of the vaccine the 29th of this month actually yes. i think i have to move my appointment to may 3rd yes so i will be getting it may 3rd and then two weeks after that you know you have like your period Waiting. that you have to wait mm -hmm. um like two weeks or so and then we'll be able to get together yep um because logan's done with his by he has to be done by now he got his like a week or so did he get his first or second he did he got his first already i'm pretty yeah. sure so then he should be you guys should be like pretty close yeah yeah so then yeah he will for sure be back then um, in May, mm -hmm. uh, end of May, middle to end of May. And then, yeah, we'll go from there. Um, next week, though, we're talking about ghosts. And I'm excited because I already have a place in mind that I want to do that I've been thinking about for a while. And it's really creepy. It's got a good history to it. Is it an asylum? It is not an asylum. Is it a prison? It is not a prison. It's a house. It's a house? It's a house. It's a house. It's a house. Because we did asylums, like when we did the Trans Allegheny yeah. Lunatic Asylum. So let's not do asylums again oh since we just did the asylums. No. Man, I'm going to do that one then. You, you can hear you. I can swear oh, I can fuck. hear you well, in my headphones. <laughs> whatever. Um, that I would thought be I whispered though. it. That would be good I thought though. I mouthed it. No, you whispered it. I whispered it. It came out loud, didn't it? Yeah. Ah, oh, damn it. Um, but anyway, so that'll be fun. Those are like some of my favorite topics to talk about. Mm -hmm. Because they're like... Oh, they're so creepy. I don't I'm know. I'm not going to lie. I like doing the murder topics because I think that they're so like interesting to a sense. Yeah. Like I think that they're very creepy and they're like easy to read. Oh, shit. Fuck. Easy One to of research. Always hits a, hits our mic. It was gonna, I'm a episode. hand talker. It was gonna happen. That's eventually. true. That's true. Um, I think that they're very easy to research and very easy to talk about. Right. But they do take a lot out of me, yeah. and I also really love ghosts. So go, that's for me. Like I would much rather sit and listen to a ghost story than I would talking about somebody murdering someone because I already just don't have any trust in anybody in this world. <laughs> right. And like just the more I hear about people just senselessly killing other people, the more I'm like terrified to leave my house. Yep. So like, yeah, those take more of an emotional toll mm -hmm. on me. Whereas like ghost stories are like, everybody's got, I feel like everybody's got some sort of connection. Yes. Like that they've made with the world of the paranormal and that I swear like believers of ghosts like they all have something that triggered their belief in it yes so, like they, they're like oh yeah I remember this one time and we were actually talking to Julian's mom about this the other night and she has a very interesting um moment that she had with the spirit yes which my that mom is fully would, vaccinated so yeah. she could always come on here and, yeah. and um maybe next week we'll see about getting her yes. on here to tell her ghost and, story yeah i would love for her to tell her story and we would love to hear your guys's paranormal experiences supernatural experiences mm -hmm. and we will share them 
If it's easier, you guys can uh, message us on Instagram or on Twitter. Just send us a DM, and then we will just literally read it. Yeah, like word for word or you at the can end of an episode. Voice message next week. that we yeah. can play. Yeah, um, whatever works or is easier for you guys. Um, that'd be cool to hear about. Mm-hmm. And like I said, we would we would definitely. I think I said it last episode. Wait until we have a few collected before we and we'll just do like a little mini episode where that's all we do is just read them or play them or we can do them like one at the end of each episode yeah or that don't let you know us waiting to say it stop you from sending your stories yeah that's i didn't think about that yeah um yeah so we would love to hear it i love a good ghost story i do too like i've grown up telling ghost stories and hearing them Sadly, unfortunately, I've never had, like, a concrete experience myself. You have. Here. I mean, I have had little moments where I'm, like, I just can't explain that. (laughs) But I've never had a moment where I've, like, seen a spirit or, you know, have spoken to one directly. Like, I've definitely had moments where, like, I feel like I've been visited in my dreams by people that I know that have passed. um, That I just, that I'm, like didn't feel like a dream it felt more like a visitation Mm -hmm. truly um but i've never had you know everybody i feel like everybody's got that experience where they're like yeah i like you know had this full-blown conversation with this person and then found out later they had passed away or something like that you know like people have the and i'm like man i i want to have an experience like that so bad also for everyone listening it's very important to note that like amber is a really good ghost storyteller (sighs) Like, really fucking good. It's, like, my favorite. It's one of my favorite things that you do. Like, really? when you tell stories. Oh, my God. I think you're a very yeah. good storyteller. Um, well, so, you. you're for sure going to be the one to read them. Okay. Yeah, I, I can, think that you're. I can do that. Absolutely. You give your own little, like, twist well, to thank things. you, Jules. Yeah. Um, do you want to tell your ghost story? Your Next it? week. You want to save it? I'll save it for next week. Okay. You've told, she's told it on the podcast before because I've made you because it's like one of my favorite stories in the mm-hmm. world. And it's, it's so crazy because if you know Jules as like a person, a friend or a coworker or whatever, you know that it's not something that she would just like make up. And it's not something that you would still be telling because you had it as a child. It was an experience you had as a child. It's not something that you would still be telling well into your 20s if you had just made it up. Well, and I don't typically tell people unless we're like talking about it. Yeah. So, So, and that's why I'm like, I 1 million thousand percent believe it. Well, my mom can tell you it. My mom can tell you the exact same story that I'm telling you. Yeah. Because she experienced it in a different way because her daughter was coming to her and was like, hey, I just had this experience. And as an adult, you know, you're like, and your child's coming to you and telling you this, you're like, they wouldn't make this up. Like, Mm -hmm. where would they make this up and she had information that you didn't yes when you came to her and then you were like she was like really especially like tripped out yeah which and i want to um mom if you're willing to do it next week let me know because i think that it would be really cool if like at the end of the episode like my mom and i kind of that would be really collab and tell the story that'd be cool because she you you guys kind of have similar experiences yes your stories kind of are similar yes because it was something happened that you guys didn't know about and later found out someone in my family had passed away yeah and as my mom like i'm a child she didn't really like Right. And you didn't know. I didn't know. You didn't know they had passed yet. And I I feel like there are so many stories like that out there where you're like, yeah, I was like talking to so-and-so and and they they were being weird, you know, and I didn't think anything of it. And then they were like, so-and-so passed away two days ago. Mm -hmm. And you're like, wait, what? And that's like, I love that trope. I love that story. Yeah. It's very like. My mom has a couple of those. Yeah. Yeah. And my mom has some experiences, too, that she told me when I was little and that have always stuck with me. Let's bring Phyllis on. Phyllis has some stories to tell. Yeah. Yeah. My mom is definitely a huge reason. My whole family is is a huge reason why I'm into like horror and mm-hmm. and ghosts and and aliens and the stuff that i'm into now i love listening to your family's ghost stories yeah, like they, they have, a, have lot. a lot we're all really big believers in the supernatural and paranormal and 
all of my siblings and my mom have all had experiences with ghosts and I'm really jealous Yeah, because I have yet to have a concrete experience, you know, um, which kind of makes me sad a little I've bit. I've had quite a bit happen in this house. Yeah. You I'll, have. No, yeah. you have. What? That dream. The dream that we both have had. Yeah. Yeah. That was bad. Let's, should we tell that? Yeah, we see, can tell it Because really I fast. really, and the reason why I would love to tell it is because I want to know if anybody has had a similar experience. Yeah. I want to know what if what we experienced is something that other people have had happen to them. I need some kind of a explanation or proof that we're not crazy for what we experienced. People are going to say it was sleep paralysis, which Probably. in a sense it could be. And it was in a way. It was in a way. So um, we moved into the house that we live in now in 2014. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, it was in April 2014, I believe. Yes. So going into going into summertime, I worked for Grater's Ice Cream, which is where Jules and I met. We worked there together, but mm-hmm. um, I stayed on and she pursued another opportunity and I stayed on at Grater's and I was a manager there. So I would work ridiculous fucking hours. And obviously I, there's never a slow season at Grater's. No. It's always, always, always busy, but we were starting to get into the busier seasons and I was working really, really long days and I would get home kind of late-ish and we would chill on our couch with the windows open and the ceiling fan on and we would watch TV until we would both pass out and then we'd wake up in the middle of the night and go and get in our bed. Mm-hmm. And that, <laughs> Which is a lot like it is now. Yes. And that started, the thing you'll know about me is that I love sleeping on the couch. Yes. I would much, if it wasn't for Jules, I probably wouldn't even have a bed. I would just have a couch. Oh my God. I cannot sleep on the couch. I can't sleep on our new couch. Yeah. Our new couch. Our old couch was like chef's kiss. I could sleep on that all the time. Which that's, that's the couch that we had at the time. And it was brand new. Yeah. And it's a sectional. So Jules was, was laid out on one side. I was laid out on the other. There's plenty of leg room, sleeping room for both of us. So I'm on my side. She's on her side. We're down in our living room, ceiling fan on, no lights on. And the TV's on and I'm still awake because, you know, after you get off work, at least for me, I'm like buzzed for like a few hours. Yeah. Like I'm not the kind of person that I could get off at five o'clock in the morning. I have gotten off at five o'clock in the morning at, and you can't at some of my past jobs mm-hmm. and I'm wide awake for hours. Yep. You would think I would be exhausted, <laughs> but I'm just buzzed. So I'm watching TV and it's like three o'clock in the morning at this point. And uh, Jules has passed out next to me. And uh, you want to tell them what happened? Yeah. So I was kind of laying there and I like opened my eyes and I could see this like massive, like, I thought it was a spider. It was like a huge, I mean, huge, huge, like the size of a dinner plate. Right. Black, shadowy spider. And it looked like it was spinning a web coming down from the ceiling fan. Yeah. And I like just stared at it and I couldn't move. And I, my heart was, like, pounding because it, I, I do not like spiders. Amber doesn't like spiders. Yeah. Like, Which, at this point, I didn't mind them. Yes. But our little stint of sleeping on the couch in the summer led to me being bit by a spider on my arm. And ending up in the hospital. And ending up in the hospital. And that's why now I'm terrified of them. I yes. love spiders. Would have one as a pet. But I'm also afraid of them because I've been bit and put in the hospital. Yeah. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah. So, um... I see it coming down and kind of getting closer to like where, I mean, the ceiling fan um, was, it's probably like was right above my feet. Yes. Yeah. And so I see it coming down and I'm thinking it's going to land on my feet and I can't move, but I'm telling myself to like get up, get out. Like I know what's happening around me. So it's not like I'm sleeping. Which is where we were like, people are going to say it's sleep sleep paralysis, paralysis. which, yeah, I mean, yeah, I would say it's probably what it was. Which in that particular instance, yes, I've never had sleep paralysis before. That's the only time I've had it. But yeah, sure. I knew what was on TV. I knew what was, what Amber was doing because I tried, I couldn't move my face, but I looked over and I saw you sitting there. Yeah. Finally, I was able to like jump up. And I was like, oh my God, there's a spider. How are we going to get it? Like, I was freaking out so then and like I'm panicking. Like, I'm like, whoa, where is there a spider? It's it's pitch black in there besides the light from the TV. So I'm like, fuck, where is this spider? And so we turn the ceiling fan light on and there's nothing. Mm-hmm. 
We look all around. We pick up all the blankets, the cushion, couch cushions. We look under the couch. We had carpet at this time. So we're like looking all, you know, you know, you can easily lose a brown spider on, we had brown carpet, we had dark carpet. Mm -hmm. So a dark brown or black spider, we easily, so we're like combing through the carpet even, like looking all around, both wide awake at this point, and we found nothing. Well, yeah, and, like, I, you, it would be hard to lose a spider the size of, like, a dinner plate. Yes, exactly. So, I, like, forced Amber to go lay in bed because I was, like, I'm done. Like, yeah. I'm not yeah. staying out here anymore. Like, my heart is pounding and, like, Amber finally got me calmed down. Well, then a few, like, what, probably a couple months later we were laying in bed and the same thing happened to me in bed except yeah. i saw it in the corner of the room rather than above me amber was watching tv yeah. in the dark i knew what she was watching i knew what she was doing the same thing happened i couldn't move until finally i was so panicked and on the verge of crying that like i was able to force myself to get up but it's like i was in both times dead asleep right like I was so passed out. I There was no reason for me to even wake up. There was yeah. no noises that happened. Like, Amber is very respectful and will turn the DV down if she knows that I'm asleep. So it's not like there was anything loud happening. Right. It was just I happened to open my eyes and look in the corner and saw another massive spider weaving. Oh, no. The, it was above. Yours was in the corner. Yes. Mine was in the ceiling fan again. Again. Coming down from the ceiling fan. With a web. Massive black shadowy spider with a web the size of a dinner plate. Yeah. And then. Yeah. So then I'm not sure how long it was after you had that experience that I had my experience with it. But it was, again, just like Jules described, I was dead asleep don't even remember dreaming don't even remember yeah i don't what remember dreaming I was, either. if i was even dreaming at all yeah um and i was it was like i opened my eyes and in the corner so like our bedroom you walk into it and we have two desks but at the time i don't think we had those desks it was just a, yeah, dresser. It was just a dresser with the tv on it and then you if you were to turn to your right there's our bed mm-hmm. up against the back wall. And then in front of our bed, like our bed is facing, we have, there's two closets and um, it, above these closets. So where our bed was facing in the upper right-hand corner, I see this massive, massive spider. Like Joel said, probably the size of a fucking dinner plate legs and all Mm -hmm. and it was in the corner standing there and it was like once I became aware of it we almost like startled one another and it took off and it started running um along so it was on up in the right corner it started running basically from the right corner towards us towards us and it started running running and as it was running it was getting smaller and smaller and smaller until it got to almost the corner of the other wall of the opposite wall Mm -hmm. where it disappeared yeah well and then so we both had the same experience neither one of us could move we both saw this shadowy black spider thing that like almost gave us panic attacks i mean it's horribly that's what it feels like in the moment is a panic attack because for me like when i have a panic attack i feel uh paralyzed Mm -hmm. and it's like i'm like i can't stop what's happening and my heart is pounding yes like literally feels like it could pound out of my chest and i'm just again they call it a panic attack because you're panicked you're like oh my fucking god but it's like it is almost like something in these in these moments that we had for me it was like something was holding me down and it was like my mind was working but my body wasn't yes that's how it was for me too and like you are so so scared and i'm like i need to get up because there is a massive yes. fucking spider but something won't let me but then you're like how am i going to deal with it when yeah. i do get up how yeah. am i going to kill a fucking just, spider the size of a dinner plate yeah it's just dread like that's what you feel what we both felt and it's strange because it was long enough my my experience with it was long enough after jules's experience with it that it wasn't like it was the next night where where she could have told me the story and then it could have you know weaved its way into my dreams these were months apart this was a while Mm -hmm. so it was something that i had forgotten that she had even experienced i wasn't thinking about it it wasn't still in the back of my mind i mean it was long enough later down the road to where i wouldn't have just had you know yeah a dream about it or you know what have you but it was insane yes and um 
we very shortly after, like probably a couple months later, had our house cleansed. We did. Because there was a lot of stuff that was happening yeah. here that was just, it was getting really bad and we and had we it cleansed. And we haven't had, like we've not seen, I've not seen a spirit. I haven't heard any disembodied voices. We've heard like laughing. There's been like, candy jars thrown, yeah. things in the house have been like opened like doors lights have been left on for a really long time lights would just come on lights would come on in the house by themselves like yeah. it was Ceiling it was pretty bad for a while on, like and and to the point where like and it was this it was the original ceiling fan where jules had the original moment yes. the original experience with the spider thing whatever it is um that would come on by itself mm-hmm and we just stopped using it all together. Yeah, we, we don't we don't use it at all. I don't even I can't I don't even, even tell you where the remote is yeah, for it's, it. It's remote controlled. Couldn't tell you where it is. The switch to it never comes on. We know nope. we never mess with it. Because it's almost like when we do weird weird shit happens. Yeah. Bad shit happens. We just leave it alone um, and yeah. yeah, we had it the house cleansed and Yeah. Which we should have and technically we should have done when we first moved in, but we didn't. Yes. Um, Which, and you know, like as far as we know, this house has no history of yeah anything where something bad could have happened and there could be, it could have just, it could be the I land. Don't we don't know. I don't know. We don't know. And like, like An we said, object that we have maybe, maybe we, we have some like older things. I've got old cameras, thrifted cameras, cameras from like house auctions, yeah. people that are no longer alive. I have a lot of collectibles and things that could could have attachments. I didn't at the time no. of these experiences. These are things that I've accumulated over the years of living in this house. But yeah, like I said, that was an experience we had. We were babies. That was like 2014. I would say my experience happened probably a year later in 2015. Mm-hmm. Like it was probably the following summer because it was definitely warm outside. Yeah. Um, and we haven't had an experience like that since. If you have had something like that, we would love to hear from you, please. Like we tell this, we tell this story all the time. Yes. Because if it was paranormal, I guess it would be my, my concrete experience. It would be, it would be, yes. Um, but like we tell this story all the time and no one else has experienced it. Nobody else has had a similar experience. So if you have, and you're listening, please, please reach out to us at, podcast from the unknown on instagram and then at unknown podcast on twitter or you can email us at podcast from the unknown at gmail.com yes please please let us know because i i need to know what it was i need to know what we experienced yeah and also like um like you said please tell us like your stories yeah and we'll share them any and, experience and uh, next week we'll talk more about ghost stories i'll see if my yeah. mom wants to come on so we can collab and tell that story and if that'll, not i'll just tell my version of it and yes and we have we i have a location in mind it's gonna be a good episode yeah i'm very so excited definitely tune in and thanks for your support so far yes, you guys we you. really appreciate it um we really hope you enjoyed old lady killers today if we messed up any information or left out anything feel free to correct us and we will mention it in the next episode yes um but as always thanks yes thank you for listening at unknown podcast um on instagram and then podcast from the unknown wait i i flipped them at unknown podcast on twitter podcast from the unknown on instagram (laughs) hit us up on there and let us know how we're doing and Tell us your ghost stories. Yeah. Pretty please. Um, Until next time, guys. Thank you. Bye.